turn to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Okay, we're recording. And when you look at the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, what you find here is something talking about the bride, talking about conduct, talking about walking, talking about walking with the Lord and how you carry yourself. And so I'm going to read to you this, this verse starting in uh, verse, uh, uh, what I'd like to do is, is go up a little bit to uh, verse 3. And Luke has been doing such a great job to communicate with you uh, concerning behavior, concerning what it shouldn't be. And so when you look in chapter 5, starting with verse 3, here's what it says. It says, Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and no silly talk and coarse gesturing, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immorality or impure person or covetous man or who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, here's our text today. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. Now watch this. Therefore, be, do not be what? Partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Now you are the, the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Now what he is doing here before we get started, he's basically saying, do you know how much the world really needs you? Do you know how God wants to use you to show the world how much they really need God. You ever thought about that? I mean, how much the world needs you. But how much you can show the world how much they need him. And then when you begin to get that mentality, what happens to you is now you see yourself as not only the temple of God, but you also see yourself as the Holy Spirit dwelling in this temple. And now when you begin to reflect what's in you, you show the world who God really is. I wonder if you even saw yourself like that this morning. How, how you reflect yourself, how you look, how you talk, how you act. But every time someone sees you, you they, they, they see a reflection of something coming out of you. And, and so here is Paul speaking to the Ephesians church 
coming to her as a bride, talking to her about being a bride, talking to her about not only sitting at the right hand of God, but also here's how she is to behave. And there's all kind of behavior in the world today. And whose behavior is reflecting the fact that they're here to represent God. See, the world needs you. The world needs you pretty bad. But, 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 but God wants to use you to show the world how much they really need him. And so prior to him getting uh, to this 20-something verse, and he begins to talk about the, the, the ethics of home, he tells the, the wife to do something, he tells the husband to do something, he tells the children to do that. But prior to that, he has to lay out a picture of what you shouldn't be like as a bride, reflecting him. And so I, I appeal to you this morning, and I will make this statement to you, and this statement is basically saying, because of the bride's behavior, and, and, and her behavior reflects the groom, who she's married, which is Christ. She shouldn't do anything that allows erosion to set in. So, so, so when you get all of these impurities, court gesturing, all these things that the word of God is trying to warn you against, it's not trying to say how bad the world is. It's trying to tell you how good you are because of Jesus Christ. And it's saying you don't need this stuff. He said, as a bride, you're reflecting the groom, but understand this, then you should not do anything to bring erosion to who you are, like rust that comes to steel. You should not do that. And so what he's doing is he's doing some admonishing. He's doing some encouraging. And he's saying this to you as a bride. He's saying this to you. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to show you something in, in three different scriptures, possibly four. But I want you to understand something about yourself this morning. I want you to be encouraged about yourself this morning and what God has done through you and what you can be pleased with because God is reflecting that to the world. And then I, I, I want you to turn to, to Matthew, the, 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 the fifth chapter, okay? And, and, and what we're going to do is we're just going to use the first half of this verse. We're not going to use all of it, but we're going to come back to it. Now, now, here's what I want you to see. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, that's who you are. Now, think about that. Now, now I told you months ago when I, well, when I talked to you that a salt is no good when it's in the salt shaker. It's just there for decorations. You got a nice salt bottle, you know, decorative, but, but, but it don't mean anything. It's just dressing for the kitchen. Ooh, what a beautiful salt shaker. Now, let me say this to you. It don't mean a thing unless it's shook up. And God sees you like that. And so what he does is he shakes you up. You ever, you ever read those labels, uh, shake before you, you use? Uh, okay. Well, he's going to shake you up a little bit. 
Now, he shakes you up for the purpose of what? Of stirring up what's inside the salt, the ingredients that is inside the salt. So he wants to shake that up so when that bottle comes upside down, what comes out of that salt shaker hits something. And guess what it hit? It hits whatever it's put on. Now, what he's saying is, I want to turn you upside down, and I want to what? I want to shake you to the point that when you come out, whoever you hit, something is going to happen to them. Whoever you touch. So he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, you got to understand something about salt here. You got to understand what it does. Salt is a preservative. Salt brings flavor. Salt brings taste. It enhances everything that it touches. Now, let me say this to you. This world can't lose its taste as long as you are touching it. Do you hear me? Now, now, now the taste is getting pretty bad. But if the believer don't come in and taste its environment, if the believer don't come in and touch this environment to add flavor to it, then what Jesus is saying through Paul is hold on. I want to say something admonishing to you. I want to say something a little bit negative to you so you can get a positive. But I want you to realize, saints, that you're the salt of the earth. That's who you are. We're going to talk about salt here just a little bit even more. But he also says, but if salt has become tasteless. Now let me say this to you. Man, God needs to, through his believers, sprinkle some salt on the government. He needs, through his believers, to sprinkle some salt on the business section. He needs, through his believers, to sprinkle some salt, man, on the education system. He needs, through his believers, to educate, to, to put some salt on, on what you would call media and entertainment. And if there's anything that needs to remain salty, it's the church itself. Are you with me this morning? Don't you be too silent on me. Because I want you to understand something. You are salt and you have taste. And what Paul is saying in Ephesians when he says, therefore, don't be partakers of them. Realize what you have partaken of so that you can become taste. And then he, 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 he's trying to say something. So when he says, therefore, do not be what? Partakers, the whole word therefore is what the list just listed. Therefore, don't be impure. Therefore, don't get into silly talk. Therefore, don't do any curse uh, 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 court gesturing. Therefore, don't, don't be in impur impurity. Therefore, don't be immorality. Why? Because you are my bride. And when you come down the aisle, wherever you go in life, you're going to touch it so that they can taste you. Therefore, do not be partakers. Don't become co-laborers with them. Are you hearing me? Don't do that, he said. Then he's also saying, don't you become interested in that? Don't you come involved in that? Don't you uh, uh, somehow invest in that? Because when you do that, you increase, and guess what, man? You slide back. You slide back. You don't have to be a, a Christian in this world trying to figure out what you can get away with and still be okay. You don't have to do that. You just don't have to do that. So, so, so he's, he, he's talking about this beautiful bride. He's talking about his woman. He's talking about his church. Are you hearing me? Church. 
Saints, are you hearing me at all this morning? Okay. You can say okay. You can even say no. Because I'll re-explain it. Okay. Now, when he says this, he's saying to you and me, there is nothing more demeaning than something so beautiful doing and portraying something so bad. That's what he's saying when he says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't do it. You don't need to because the them is looking for something. Them wants to know if there's something real out there. Now, none of you don't even know who Jimi Hendrix is. But Jimi Hendrix was one of the most famous guitarists that has ever lived. And he played kind of like this psychedelic music on his guitar. I mean, this dude would have them packed in arenas. He was heavy into drugs. Well, one of the most famous songs he ever uh, did back in my day was called Purple Haze. He was just talking about masculine and, and, and cocaine and all that kind of stuff. And this guy would play so much and play so skillfully, people would just stand up and worship this guy. And one day, when he set his guitar on fire, just before he said it, he was playing in an arena. And he had the whole attention of everybody, thousands of people. And in the middle of his concert, most of the people missed what he said. Is there truth? Is there life out there anywhere? This guy said that in the middle of a concert. One of the most famous guitarists that ever lived. He was searching for truth. He was searching for life. He even used the name Jesus Christ. Is he real? Now in the middle of something like that, if God can penetrate, guess who he wants to penetrate with you? He wants to penetrate the world with. With you. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you something here, and I want you to turn with me, uh, if you will, uh, to uh, the Second uh, Peter, because I want to show you something, okay? Because sometimes the Bible has to show you what you're not so you can see who you are. Now, we're only going to read, once again, the first half of this. Watch. We're going to go back to Matthew 5 in a second. And we're going to go back to this one after we read the first part. Now, now, now I want you to see this. Now, it's a lot, but listen to it as you read it. For speaking out arrogance, he's talking about the rise of false prophets. And then he says, words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensualities, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, watch this, that he is enslaved. Uh, I shared with, 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 with the leadership and some other people the other day about God finding some idolatry in me. See, you probably don't have it. But man, when you give yourself to something enough, you can make it an idol. Now, let me say this to you. I'm involved in the sports world. 
over at CSU, chaplain of both CSU football and basketball. By the way, how about them Rams, huh? Just checking, just checking, just checking. But you can get so involved in that that you start worshiping it. Are you following me? And God has to show me that, Johnny, even though you're in it, you're not of it. And then I begin to watch sports to the point that in the midst of my breaks in the day or when I'm in my office or something, all week I'm following a certain team. And I didn't realize how often I was looking at that. And guess what happened? It became an idol. Because if my favorite team didn't win, I was depressed. Y'all have never done that, okay? And God had to show me, son, you're worshiping that. And man, I had to put it away. I told my wife, I said, I, I'm not watching TV as much as I used to. Because the only time I watched it was either for the NFL Network or from CSU football or basketball. And guess what happened? When you give yourself to it, watch this, you become enslaved by it. Are you hearing me? So, so as, as a bride, you have to be careful that you don't allow something to come in and erode you so that you're not reflecting your husband, the groom, Christ himself. And so now he's speaking about these false prophets as Peter is speaking to the saints and he's saying, look, man, he says, look here, promising you freedom while they themselves are slaves or corruption for by what the man is overcome by this, he is enslaved. See? And he said, that's the bride. Only become enslaved to your groom. Only become a slave to Christ. Or only become caught up in him. And so as I'm learning new, what you would call intimacy, I'm learning how to turn off the TV. I'm learning how to turn off the radio. I'm, I'm learning how to drive silently with nothing on. I'm learning how to take this little old bitty thing they call an iPhone, an iPad, an Android, and put it away. And only use it to call home when I need to talk to my bride. That's it. You know what happens? The bushes start getting clear. All of a sudden now, instead of the TV talking to me, instead of some coach talking to me, all of a sudden, instead of some advertiser talking to me, guess whose voice rang through clear? God does. And it comes quick. It comes quick. And it comes clear. Because I'm not eroding myself. Now I'm not talking about me to lift me up. I'm talking about me to encourage you that if I can do it, so can you. Do you hear me, church? At all. See, I don't hear anybody saying amen here. Are you asleep? Are you saying amen today? Because what I'm saying to you in this corrupt world that wants to erode your spirit, that wants to erode your soul, you're the one that should be hitting it like Saul. Man, you should stand out like a sore thumb wherever you go. You really should. 
And so when, when Paul says back to uh, Ephesians 5, 7, and 8, he says, therefore, okay, do not become partakers with them. All right. And watch this other song. For you were formerly dark. That's your whole life. You don't need to go back there anymore. He, he said, look, you were formerly dark. Because in this first one, he says, this is a warning against lapsing into the old vices. And, 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 and now he begins to open up verse 8. And when he opens up verse 8, he says, for you were formerly darkness. You know what he's saying? Man, there was a time in your life when you were zombies. Man, they even got a movie today or a series that they call The Walking Dead. You know what that basically means? The only difference between you and a person in a coffin whose body has eroded is that you got movement. That's it. That's it. Walking Dead. Man, they, they, I mean, they, they got these zombies, <laughs> parts falling off of them like a Michael Jackson, you know, you know, thriller. <laughs> you know, hey, hey. He says, look, man, <laughs> don't go back there. Don't go back there. You don't need to. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't need to do that at all. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a little excited this morning, man. I am. See, now, go back to 2 Peter 2, and we'll read the second half of that verse. Now, watch this. For if it, after they have, what, escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it, won't be, it, it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Now watch what happens when we go back to Matthew. Not yet. Not to have known okay, uh, righteousness, than having known it to turn away from the holy commandments handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallow in the mouth. Now, he had to give something repulsive in order to tell them, don't even look back there. Man, that's a repulsive picture. You know, regurgitating something that has been decomposed. He said, that's what happens when you go back to that stuff. Because that does something to watch this, your light. Come on, bride. Come on, lady. Come on, wife. Come on, queen. That's not who you are. Class. You're a class person. Now, I don't want to embarrass my bride here, but let me tell you something. One of the reasons why I was attracted to Vicky, not because she was so beautiful, and not she was attracted to me because I was so handsome. Don't y'all understand that? But you know why? I heard her friends talk about her. You know what they said? She was a woman of class. Class. What happened? To the class in a woman today. 
Some women out there can be just as rude and rugged as men. What happened to the class? What happened to the eloquence? That's who you are, a bride of Christ. That's what you should reflect. And so it's important that we don't erode, that we don't get back to that stuff. Because what he's saying is, if you need a repulsive image, here it is. It's like a dog returning to his own stuff. It's like a pig wallowing after he has been washed. And he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Why? Because you are children of light. See, that's the beauty of it. It's children. You reflect the grown-up. You reflect your dad and your mom. You reflect your parent. I am your parent, Jesus is saying. I'm your father, Jesus is saying. Because you are a child, that means you're a little me. I used to call my kids munskins. Because <laughs> that's exactly what they were. They reflected Vicky and I. When they walk in the room, here come the munskins. <laughs> because one day they're going to grow up and be grown. But when you're children of the light, you begin to have mannerisms like your parent. You begin to act like your parent. You begin to do the things that your parent does. Are y'all hearing this this morning at all? So, so now, if you go back to Ephesians 5, and you begin to look now in the, in the deeper part of verse 8, he says, now you were formerly darkness, but, he's saying, but now you are light. He's saying to shine, to make something manifested. You have a wider application now. So instead of imitating the walking dead, you're imitating those who are alive. And guess what you do? When you walk into darkness, you pierce it. There's a book written by a guy by the name of Frank Peretti, I think that's his name, who, who wrote This Present Darkness. But he also wrote a book called Piercing the Darkness. So here's the key. Do you know when you walk into a grocery store, you pierce the darkness? Did you know that? Do you know when you go into a classroom, you pierce the darkness, man? Man, when you go into somebody's home, you pierce the darkness. When you go to work, you pierce the darkness. That's what you do. Because that's who you are. Because you're light. Now, let's jump back to uh, Matthew 5. And I'm going to show you why you need to understand the power of the salt. Because, see, the, 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 the power of the salt here basically says that salt is a preservative. Uh, okay, it's flavoring. Uh, it's, it's essential nutrients. It, it provides texture. It, it, it also adds color. But what does light do? Now watch this. 
So when he says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salt again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. But watch this. You are also not only salt, ladies and gentlemen, you are light. Guess what? You illuminate. You not only come in and expose darkness, but you expel darkness. Are you with me? Now, let, let me tell you something. Here's what darkness gets its definition. I'm going to show you that darkness gets its definition from something else. Darkness is not explained by darkness. Darkness is explained as the absence of light. That's its definition. And when you're not around, darkness comes in. And when you step in, guess what happened, man? Darkness has to flee. So you not only add taste to the world, you bring light to it. Regardless of how you feel, you could have got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Who cares? You're still light. You and your lovely bride could have had an argument. Who cares? You're still light. You may have done something that you were supposed to do, and you feel as guilty as sin on a popsicle stick. You are still light. Did you know that? It doesn't change. That's the beauty of this thing. That's the beauty of this. Now, 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 I'm going I'm, I'm to show you something else to kind of bring this home to you, okay? To bring this home to you. We're going to go to John 12. We're going to go to John 12. Did, did, did y'all get the light thing? Okay, because I hope you got the salt thing. If you got the light thing, let me, let me show you what Jesus says. Let me show you what Jesus says. In and, 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 and John John's 12, 14, 44 through 46, and Jesus cried out and said, now, this is, a, if you slow down on this passage, man, you're going to see Jesus almost say something that doesn't make sense and then it makes sense. Here's what he says. He who believes in me does not believe in me. Now, that doesn't sound right, but it does because here's what he's getting ready to say. He used the word but, and he's trying to make a hyperbole statement. He says this, but in him who sent me. He says, look at here, saints. You got to understand. I did not just come to save you, but I came to send you. I came to send you as light and salt to the world. Because I came to bring light and salt to the world. And I brought light to you. I brought salt to you. And I want you to come and do the same thing because he, my father, that's what he did. So when you believe in me, it's not me you're believing in. You're believing in the one who sent me. That's who you believe in. And then he says, he who sees me, sees the one who sent me. Hey, bride, who are the, are you reflecting? You're not just reflecting yourself, but you're reflecting your husband. When I go out in the public, I put on the ring that I have lost for 12 times because I want the people to know I am off the market. 
I belong to somebody. I reflect that somebody. And guess what? That somebody out there is reflecting me. We reflect each other. Jesus is talking about marriage. He's talking about intimacy. He's talking about when you walk down that aisle and something new and something blue all over you. You're getting ready. Something's getting ready to have everybody watching you. That's what you're doing. You're reflecting the one who sent you. And then he says, I have come, here we go, as light. Now, we're going to do this three times. And I want you to open up your mouth. And I want you to say it. Now, when you say it, all of the pit of hell will tremble, even though you can't see it. Now, we're going to say this three times, and I'd like for you to put some voice to it, because I think you don't realize the power of your words. I don't think you realize how creative power you have that comes from your tongue. All you got to do is get a heavy dose of James 3, man. Now, I want to say this to you. I'm going to ask you to say, I am the light of the world. Now say that with me. I am the light of the world. Now your mouth can work a lot better than that. We're going to do it the second time. Here we go. I am the light of the world. Now doesn't that feel better? Now let's say it again with confidence. I am the light of the world. You know why? Because it's true. Because it's true. You are children of light. And you need to act like it. You need to be like it. You need to look like it. And you need to say it. Hey, you know, I don't feel good this morning, man. But you know what? Hey, I'm the light of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's who you are. That's who you are. I have come as the light into the world so that everyone who believes in me, watch this, will not remain in darkness. Don't you understand that past tense? You will not remain in darkness. See, this is the beautiful thing. Sometimes people can get in darkness and they get trapped. But he said, hold on. You can get in the darkness for a minute or two. But let me say this to you, man. Because you're the light of the world, you won't remain there. That light will, boom, get you. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. So then, now, through those scriptures, when you look at Matthew 5, 13 through 15. You look at 2 Peter 2, 18 to 22. And then you look at John 12, 44 through 46. Now, Ephesians 5, 7, and 8 means something. Now, let's kind of put a close to it. All right? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, 
Therefore, all that stuff I just talked about, there's a reason because of what I said. I told you those things because I, I, I want to give you a command. I do not want you anymore to be, and that means equal or meaningful with that. I don't want you to be partakers because in being partakers, you become co-participants with them. And, and the them is all the stuff that was read from verse 3 all the way down to verse 6. Now, in that part, you heard this part that Luke spoke of last week called the wrath of God. Now, let me tell you something about the wrath of God before I finish reading this again to you so you can get the whole picture. See, there is something about God's character that by his nature, he must wrathfully come after things when people surpass the truth and unrighteousness. His nature will come at it. That's what his wrath is about. I mean, if you get a heavy dose of Romans 1 verse 13, it says the wrath of God will go out to those who suppress truth in unrighteousness. The wrath just comes because it's his nature. He must punish it. And, and so what he's saying is, I don't, I don't want you to, to get into those things because automatically you ignite my wrath. For you were formerly darkness, void of light. This is emphatic. It is a position. It is strong. What I'm trying to do is admonish you because this is the way you were in your BC days. You ever heard that word BC? I tell people my BC days were the days where I was before Christ. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Y'all missed that, man. Y'all are sleeping this morning. Now, and, and, and then he says, uh, but now you are light of the world. You're supreme. You're the light of the world. And they were not described as not just enlightened, but they were the light. See, it's one thing to be enlightened about something. It's another thing to be the light of something. Here is how we close it. Right here. Walk. Walk. That word walk is only mentioned a couple, three times in the entire New Testament. You know what it means? Conduct yourself. It means behavior. Walk as children of light. Now you got a choice to make. You can be imitators of Christ that it says in the first verse in chapter 3. Or you can be illuminators of darkness. He says, look, that's a choice you make every single day. And, and, and I go back to the purpose statement. Because the bride's behavior. Because the bride's behavior is a reflection of the broom. She shouldn't do anything that will erode that reflection. 
So here's my challenge for you this whole week. I've been doing this for two weeks. I, I will never ask you to do something that I'm not doing. That's wrong for anybody to get up and tell somebody, hey man, let's do this here, and then you're not doing it. Now, now this is going to be challenging to you. So I want you to listen real close. It's going to be very simple. Can you ask God to show you what you are ignorant of that's eroding his reflection through you? Can you just ask him that question? I want you to do that all week. And then once you find out what it is, if the Holy Spirit so 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 want to communicate that to you, then why don't you then respond with the appropriate action? Because this is what happened to me. What? You mean I can't watch the NFL network no more? Network anymore? No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, son, don't make it an idol. So what I did for a whole week, I didn't watch TV at all. Period. At all. And you know what? It felt good. I had withdrawal symptoms. Just like when I got off the sugar, you know, we're doing this self-sacrifice, self-denial thing on the football team. I haven't touched sugar, man, in almost 90 days. But there were some withdrawal symptoms. And everybody on the plane trying to, when they say cookies, they're talking about Johnny. Cookies, everybody go, cookies? No. But they can't mess with me anymore because there's nothing in me that wants cookies. But if you tried for a week and just get away from something that seems so harmless, but you didn't know you made it an idol because you began to worship it. I didn't know it until he showed me. Because he's saying, I want you to reflect me. And, and that, that light is shining so bright when you're sitting in the coach's room and they use these colorful metaphors. They turn to me and say, Pastor, I'm sorry. Now, you don't have to do that. I'm not clocking their language. But you know what I'm realizing? They see. They see the light. Ain't gonna undo me. I use myself not because I'm trying to exalt myself. I'm just telling you what's happening in my life. I believe that's happening in your life. And I want you to say this whole week, I am the light of the world. As you go through this. Because you're walking as children of the light. Man, I hope you've been encouraged. Uh, what I share this morning, I, I hope that you sense the love of God in it. The, the, the exaltation that comes from it. Sometimes we know who we are because we know where we came from. And so I love you and if you've got a word from this message, if, if God has stirred something in your heart, 
as we get ready to close, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna take up our offering here. And man, I just wanna thank you so much for coming this morning. You don't know how much it means to see the saints this morning. I mean, you guys are real special. I want you to know that. Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. But uh, let's take up our offering. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives this morning, helping us see this morning that we are children of light. 